Welcome to the TXRD Fraudcast, where two starry-eyed superfans talk about women's roller derby. All right, so we're here to talk about um, the latest bout from uh, January 18th, uh, and this was the Cherry Bombs versus the Hellcats. So uh, I guess first thing we want to talk about is um, the, uh, the commentary team, which is a unique one for this one this is the first time we've had a solo skater commentary team comprised entirely of Buffy Basher. And it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. So yeah, I, I think that uh, some of the biggest problems we've had before on the commentary team, when we have a skater joining uh, a red coat like Kramer is that the audio balancing is usually pretty poor. Um, usually Kramer is quite loud and clear, but the other person, whoever it is, is, is quiet and they're not able to communicate pretty much anything. Right, and I've always assumed that that's just a function of the like audio gear set perfectly for Kramer's voice by default, um, and just not having been redone for a new voice, and especially like women's voice with a different pitch, completely different timbre, etc. Not the case this time. Buffy came through super clear, perfectly balanced, um, and on top of that, her actual like delivery of words and the voice that she uses to announce, the, like announcer character voice that she uses was really really phenomenal i was super impressed it was like a thrill to listen to very exciting and i think she got a lot of really great crowd response as well because of that it it makes me wonder and and you have a better memory than i do but has she done this before i don't think that i have ever heard buffy announced before at txrd it's possible that she has and i don't remember or i wasn't there but it was brand new to me and i even think that at some point before the bout had started they alluded to the fact that this is going to be her first time okay yeah, so knockout performance. Honestly, I'd, I'd keep her on commentary because it was just too good. Yeah, it was really great. The analysis, obviously phenomenal because as a skater herself, she's able to like do really good play-by-play and talk about things that she finds interesting, which odds are, if you like Derby, are also going to be things that you find interesting. And if you're new to Derby, are going to give you stuff to look out for. So that's exactly what you hope for. Right. So uh, the, the other person that I want to mention is our uh, penalty wheel uh, mistress for this bout, which was uh, Heretta Sin. Typically, we have Cater die. I guess I say typically, really, it was last season that we had Cater die almost every time. I don't know. I, I have Cater die in my brain as penalty mistress ever since uh, Johnny Stranger left the league. Yeah, I think. But that I they, could just be like, it, it was color kind of a, memory. It, it was kind of a rotating chair for a little while there, but Cater die kind of came came up a lot more than other skaters or at least other retired skaters the thing i'll say about her is that a she did a fantastic job and definitely want her back uh for sure um and if uh cater die has you know kind of left that role um her is an excellent uh fill-in yeah for sure she did a great job she has great personality great banter with the skaters when they're up there Uh, now that we're in vip we get to hear the skaters talk back when they're not mic'd which was awesome um Seems like Spank Alley really gets along with her. She's a great just like performer personality. And the fact that like in this particular bout, we had Buffy on solo announcing um, and Horetta sends the other person with a microphone and was able to pick up scores, pick up penalties, pick up like basically a flex co-casting role. And that worked really, really well because again, the only thing better than one roller girl on announcing is two because that's great. Y'all know what you're talking about. Definitely. Yeah, so I think other than that, really nothing a whole lot uh, special for this bout. Pretty standard stuff otherwise. 
Um, do you want to cover the final score just to kind of give some context to what we're going to talk about? Yeah, so this bout kind of ended up being a little bit of a blowout, although not by any means a bad bout. It was actually yeah. phenomenal. Great to watch, and I was super impressed by both teams. Um, it shook out for me. I think this is probably true for you as well. Kind of how I expected, given the lineups, where the Cherry Bombs had an extremely veteran lineup and the Hellcats have a developing lineup that's coming into its own. So it played out for me kind of like a mini freshman versus seniors bout. And the final score ended up being 166 to 88. Yeah. Cherry bombs over Hellcats. Yes. And we did confirm that, right? That's yes. That's the true score. Okay. I've confirmed this with the scoreboard at the end of the game, the VOD, the okay. Facebook group, <laughs> and our own tally, yeah. which was off slightly. We, we had some confusion because there were some point uh, counts that didn't get recorded at the board uh, quite right. And I think they fixed them. Yeah, I think they the like bout. fixed them either in between quarters or whatever like that. Okay. Yeah, so definitely a, a strong performance from the Cherry Bombs. And uh, it's going to be interesting seeing them going forward. You mentioned that the Bombs have a, a tried and true kind of well-developed pack or at least well-developed team. And I actually want to disagree with you slightly. I think that... How half, dare you? I, th- <laughs> I think that half of their team is extremely well developed and has a lot of cohesion and a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, uh, experience in a way that like shows clearly. But the other half of the team really are up and comers that I think are still finding their way. And the thing that excites me the most about the Cherry Bombs is that they have so much room for improvement. the The biggest takeaway I had from that team this bout was that you know usually first bout of a, a season you get the kind of first bout jitters. Um, or kind of some shakiness on the team when you haven't really had that performance yet as that team that season. Um, you get in there and you and you may uh, stumble on the first few jams. The first quarter of the first bout really kind of shows that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the bombs this time, I think uh, I, I'm just seeing pieces that I'm I'm curious to see if they'll develop into this like really major pack force in 2020 right yeah i mean unlike half of us i have absolute faith in the bombs <laughs> so i too am excited but i will not be surprised I, by their phenomenal performance yes i am a super fan as well i'm just <laughs> not a blind one <laughs> um so yeah I, I think that um also talking about the hellcats you know i we went into this season mentioning that the Hellcats seem to have a very strong pack and maybe we're a little lost in the jam realm. Um, and I think we pretty much saw that happen here uh, in this bout that a lot of their jam performances were good, but not good enough to break through the, the bombs pack and especially overcome the bombs jammers who the, the bombs had um, some really phenomenal jammers. There is one standout that I want to mention on the Hellcat side, and that is Tony Montana who I think put in an extremely strong performance as a jammer for the Hellcats. Um, But conversely, the Cherry Bombs just had so many Tony Montanas basically uh, jamming for them. And the biggest uh, theme for them, I think, was that their season players were not jamming for the most part. Scrappy, Ninja Please, and Mila Jukovic were mostly in the pack, mostly pivoting. Absolutely. Um, And kind of going off of that, I wanted to say, um, so you've always sort of like, had a little bit of a hesitancy, a little bit of like skepticism of like how good exactly the Cherry Bombs pack is. And I've always been talking about how 
impressed I am with jammers transitioning into blockers and pivots yes. and how good they are at dueling other jammers and shutting that down. I think we saw that really, really strong here today where the cherry bombs jammed basically their newer skaters and their hired guns quite a bit and put their like superstar jammers almost solely on blocking duty. Scrappy did one jam yep. and she did phenomenally, right? She hit her like EV, which I would say she get, had a 7-0 jam. Yeah. And I expect Scrappy to get seven points because she's a god. But then her performance in the pack for the rest of the game was so strong. Um, I do, like, obviously I understand what you mean about not having, like, the sort of pack cohesion that a team like the Holy Rollers, for instance, had, or the Rhinestone Cowgirls, per se. But, um, I don't know, for me it's just super exciting to see, like, fast, really mobile, really, like, cerebral skaters do so much of that defensive work and that the cherry bombs can make it work skating essentially like not worse jammers but just like less experienced less veteran jammers that's right yeah and still come out so heavily on top is very very exciting for me right and i i guess to to play off of that point um when i say that they may not have the cohesion that they could have i guess what i mean is like they don't have the consistency because one piece of the puzzle i guess in their pack that i think was solved in this bout that i saw clearly was the cohesion between Scrappy, Ninja Please, and Macho Mandy Savage, which I was surprised about. Um, I think that the three of them, when they were in the pack together, uh, really formed a great team where they were kind of... that They're doing that TXRD thing where... Maybe this is a, a roller derby thing generally, but um, you kind of have people who use each other like appendages, like you're, like you're part of one big body, and you'll kind of use somebody to block somebody else and then position yourself... Uh, uh, to catch you know the the jammer or something, or or to break through a pack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the problem is that they're not on the and, and they're not in the pack every jam, right? So when they're not in there and it's you know Mila and uh, a handful of other you know relatively inexperienced players, that cohesion isn't there, and that's where you see some points being scored. Yeah, I definitely can't disagree with that. Like you're not wrong, that's and right, especially goddamn it, <laughs> and, and especially after like. I have since rewatched the playoff spout from last season, the Cherry Bombs versus Rhinestone Cowgirls. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. But I did want to say, um, to sort of address your point, I think that what I noticed in this bout, and you may not have, is that Zara Problem, who normally has been a very, very strong, like solo blocker, super powerful, very imposing, I did see her doing more of that play calling, doing more of that repositioning of yeah. her like blocker teammates, etc. So if we see her come through as like sort of captaining in the pack a lot more um, and developing that like ability or habit, because I think she's always been capable of it. She's like phenomenal game sense, and I've seen her do amazing things defensively. Um, but I think that that could go a long way, and also towards freeing up your Scrappy and Rolla and Ninja and Mila to do more jamming since they're right. all powerhouses and if the cherry bombs found themselves in a bout where they needed clutch like q3 q4 jams you want to be able to safely move those people to offense without making huge sacrifices absolutely yeah i think that we we noted it before but the flexibility of a team like the holy rollers makes them that more much more powerful yeah they can swap people in and out and it's just the same um you mentioned captaining the team and i think that that is a a concept that I have been really uh, impressed by by some of the best teams over the years that there are people who have that kind of force of personality to 
kind of control their pack and make it happen in a way that you can't have by just, you know, visual cues or, or self-knowledge, I guess. Like you can't just have one person be the one who knows what to do and do it themselves. You need to have the team understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. There are so many times where you see a pack kind of fall apart and two people will fall behind and while two people rush ahead, both having different ideas of what's going on. So I think you're right. I think somebody like Zero Problem who can really direct a pack to stay together, do this, do that, block this, um, that that's really going to be an emergent paradigm shift, I think, for the, the bombs specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't want to make this too much about the bombs, but I did want to say it's actually kind of ironic because one of the notes that I took about the bombs defensive play and their pivots especially is sort of the opposite of everything that we just talked about in terms of like working with the team and like hooking up but a thing that i noticed there were two things uh in terms of like solo pivot play that seemed to be sort of a staple of the bombs defensive strategy one of them was ninja please as pivot chasing the jammer 20 feet in front of the pack screaming at them shank style which is awesome always great and then quick turn stopping, skating backwards, having full vision on the pack, and then being able to set up for the second pass around because you, she had that forward position. You know this. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but you know who used to do that all the time. Skate backwards, get visibility on the pack, and then make a call. That's uh, sacrilegious. Absolutely. Uh, sacrilegious was probably the first, I don't know if she was pivot every time, but she was the first pack member, I'll say, that really was a standout in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that at the time, in those seasons when I was watching Sacrilicious, I, like, Sac was on the prowl. She just, like, hunted. She hated giving up points when she was in the pack. She would never not run away. And I think that was the stuff that I internalized so much more than the, like, defensive strategy involved. Although, obviously, like, we thought about it. But I think my, like, understanding of Derby was so much worse back then that I didn't appreciate how smart that was. Yes. And that's why it's really nice to see that like coming back with Ninja Please on the same team and a skater that had skated with Sacrilicious tons. Um, the other thing that I saw was the first person that I saw do it was Mila Djukovic, actually, who would, while being pivot, drop back to last position once both jammers were through to deal with the opposing team jammer before they hit the pack on their second pass. Yeah. And after seeing Mila Djukovic do it, I looked out for it and I saw Rola do it. I saw Ninja do it. I saw Zara Problem do it. Um, so I think that had also become a staple strategy of theirs of just like trusting their own jammer and their own like non-pivot pack members, blockers, to get their team the points and just have this pivot soloing the jammer at a like really far back position. I think that that will be extremely risky versus some jammers yes. i think like that will not work on a like a boss that, a, a nicky ticky time that bomb. will not work on a nicky ticky time bomb right um but i thought it was super effective here and i like the fact that there are three wildly different defensive strategies that we've just identified right and and if they stay adaptable like that i think that that is the key to success i think that they're going to take off and and going to be a top two team yes uh, in the season for sure i agree so let's, you'd mentioned that we're talking too much about the cherry bombs, and I think you're going to find that that's a common theme with us, but... Uh, I mean, you're wearing a Hellcat shirt okay, right now, and I get, bought a Hellcat shirt at the bout. Let's get one thing fucking straight, okay? We bought these, are these were the 2016... Team fundraiser shirts. No, 2017. Yeah. Team fundraiser shirts, and these things are fucking awesome. Uh, I want more of this merch, but the Hellcats one is bright pink with a black cat on it yeah it's the tri-blend like textured pink it's super soft got it's a black cat on it sick. says chin up claws out 
It's so good. It's so awesome. It dude. is one of my favorite pieces of TXRD yeah, merch. I, I, the, the only one that's better, I think, is the bombs, which, yeah. The Never Say the, Die the Never shirt. Say Die. It's, oh, it's that's sick. so good. But, like, I love wearing this Hellcat shirt just as a shirt. It's fucking awesome. But let me get one thing straight. I like TXRD, and I have my favorite teams, but I want to root for everybody. There are certain styles and certain maybe even skaters that make me not necessarily want to be a fan of somebody like Cough Cough, the Rhinestone Cowgirls for a long time. But we're even seeing that changing. Yeah. I think you and I both have, you know, are, are fans of lots of skaters. On when you're fans team. of so many skaters, it's hard to like right. put your foot down and be like, I'm yeah. not a fan of this team. Because when it really comes down to it, it's like, I'm not a fan of this team's colors or they're like <laughs> they're fans fictional with their fucking theme, cowbells <laughs> or like other yeah like completely ancillary stuff right. but like how can i not love a team that once had Jamet janet and roxy revolver two of my favorite personal uh, skaters soviet crusher and soviet crusher god damn it and glitterotica I've, one and of glitterotica. my biggest like poor one outs although i'm thrilled that she like basically comes to every single yeah. bout um so it's it's great to see how much of a league I, do you like, know how, how much, much money part i would of she still is for a soviet crusher hat a hundred dollars <laughs> We and we've Easy. talked about this so much also because like on the topic of merch, we were always so excited about Hellcat's merch, right? Like we would both spend whatever it took yep. to get Hellcat's pink and black varsity jackets. Yes. We just like are so into that theming. Yeah, we can't get them, but we like yeah. If and you, yeah, if you sold me one, if you told me that I could pay two hundred dollars for one right now, I would, I would order two. Yeah, instant, easily, easiest purchase of my life. Yes. I think that TXRD actually needs more, I don't want to say custom merch. Maybe it is custom merch. Like stuff that is specific to the team, not just a colored version of a thing. What if every team had a custom piece of merch that aligns with what those skaters do or wear? Yeah. Right? We want the punky merch for the bombs. Yes. We want the like chola merch for the putas. We want like all of those like really hardcore themed stuff, I think. And I think that a lot of like fans would be super into that stuff. But I think, again, you know, the league is in a place where it's still developing its fan base. And yes. we have these, like, ebbs and flows of interest. And right. part of what we hope to it's do It's easy for us to say, is... like, hey, make me a varsity jacket. But which also, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go on a huge tangent here. But uh, another thing that I'm thinking about doing is starting to bring custom signs also. Because, like, the signs that they yeah, have Yeah, we've been talking skaters, about yeah. that. And we keep just not doing it. The, the signs that they have for skaters are usually really good. Like, they're well-decorated. They have, like, fun and funny themes to them. <laughs> Uh, you're yeah. thinking, I, know you're I thinking always think it. of yep. the Flocka the skeleton. <laughs> yes, the Flocka skeleton is great. Uh, it's like a glow-in-the-dark plastic skeleton. Yes, because <laughs> um, Flocka is skinny, you see. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do want to start um, making some, some custom signs and bringing them. Because I think that stuff like that, like that personality, that flavor, is what TXRD brings to the table above and beyond other derby. So, anyway. Tangent over. Back on track. Um, so let's talk about the Hellcats. We were talking about the Hellcats. Because I do love the bombs, but the cat emoji is second <laughs> on my Twitter profile talking about my favorite teams. So so the, the biggest trend that I found with the Hellcats that I totally expected um, was that their pack is very good. They have very strong pivots. They have very strong blockers. And I could name you, you know, four or five of them uh, in an instant. Ice Ice Bang Me, Brouhaha. Um, you know, hammer all core staples in the pack. Uh, and I think that you had mentioned that with the bombs, you had talked about their speed. And it used to be a long time ago, five years, six years ago now, we would see runaway packs a lot more. 
and we don't see them much anymore. Almost ever. That that trend kind of died. And Playoffs and the meta, cup, maybe. Yeah, the meta the meta game kind of shifted away from from runaway packs. But back when runaway packs were a thing, the Hellcats were one of the teams that stopped that shit. They would actually be the ones who would corral skaters and make runaway packs a very bad idea. And I almost wonder if they should evolve that strategy to like get back in the habit of like trapping skaters because i think that there's still value in that and picking up points that um kind of in war of attrition style uh give you that edge right the score for this was 166 to 88 and unlike most jams that we saw last year there were a lot of jams that actually had both teams scoring this time and i think that there, there should be a lot of credit given to the hellcats um being able to pull off stuff like that not getting 4-0 jammed on every time. Having a pack that can really uh, give their jammer an opportunity to catch up and get some points as well. Right, absolutely. It shows that they, even though they know that they're at a deficit in the jam line in terms of like raw like star power and being able to just like cut through the pack and score, they have the adaptability of a like control-oriented style of doing that sort of like catching a goat in the back of the pack kind of stuff, which is a thing that like we've only really seen develop in the last few years. It was really striking for us the first time that we saw like Allscar Army versus out of state yes. teams, how different that defensive control strategy yeah. was. Right. But yeah, I think that that would be very well suited to the Hellcats. I think we mentioned this last time. Um, the Hellcat squad is relatively young in terms of experience skating. A lot of them came up in this newer post 2015 generation of hired guns this is like literally to me new school skaters with like very different fundamentals yes completely different lessons that they've learned about how packs work and how roller derby works right and i think that they can set a new standard i think uh, yeah, for sure let me let me posit a hypothetical here and, and tell me what you think imagine that by the end of 2020 the hellcats could be a team that could stop a Mad Mexican, a Nicky Ticky Time Bomb, even a Like a Boss. What if they just grounded jammers like that and allowed their jammer to just get away scot free, put up a 4 0 against an otherwise dominant jammer on the, on the op, uh, opposing team? That could be a complete game changer for them. The, the critique that I had about them at, you know, in an earlier episode where we we're kind of looking out at the future of the season mm -hmm. about them having a potentially strong pack but a weak jam lineup. What if that didn't matter? What if they're just a defensive team that doesn't need a balance, so to speak? What if they just specialize? I could definitely imagine it. And I'm actually like flashing back to the Glitterotica era, the like Glitter, Valkyrie, Soviet Crusher yep. era of like Roxy Revolver. Roxy Revolver. Of the Hellcats being extremely like aggressively like defensive yep. in the pack, but being a team whose great skaters gave up tons of major penalties, which is not something that any of these clean, like, newer <laughs> skaters do at all. Like, the Hellcats gave up, what, four minor penalties, yeah, and they mostly came out behind on minor penalties, unfortunately. Right. But majors-wise... Let's talk about that. So the, They're the, golden. The, the Cherry Bombs, I know for a fact, had at least three majors, because Rolla Parks got ejected. Rolla Parks understands that... <laughs> Getting two minors and three majors is optimal. It's just optimal play. It's getting the most out of your time on the and track. And she got ejected like four jams prior to ending the game. Yeah, that's which is, actually OD. That's yeah. actually just good gameplay. Yes. But 
if you think about it, like I, I'm, I'm going to pull, I hate to pull the paper on this, but so we had three majors against the bombs, uh, all Rolla Parks, incidentally, and the goat. What, <laughs> and one major against Brawl Rat at the very tail end of the bout, uh, who, who is a Hellcat. And I think that when you, and, and I guess like it's, it's worth pointing out that the minor penalties were almost exclusively Hellcat uh penalties but and they were spread out most of these are yeah. people that only got one minor penalty right. yeah it's not like a, a one particular offender or anything like that whereas rolla got multiple penalties all for high blocks right yeah. so there's a very different and this is kind of what i mean by like skaters who have learned completely different lessons from different eras right but they just for instance have learned not to high block for, from a from a number standpoint i think it was simply uh you know the the hellcats lost four points on minors and from their major reskates, I actually don't think that they gained a whole lot. There was the one monster. Yeah. Well, there was the one monster reskate where Tony Montana got 15 points. 15. And we'll talk about that. But I think that, yeah, they actually lost on most of the reskates. The bums were able to do that thing where you, like, grime your opponent and then right. get rewarded for it even harder. Yes. <laughs> and again, in my in my hypothetical, if they could simply stop the opposing jammer on a major reskate, that's where you pick up monster points, and that's where you can come back. Yeah, you know, if they picked up uh, twenty, thirty points on four reskates or something like that, um, that's a big swing. So I think not picking up majors is extremely helpful, obviously, but um, you need to capitalize on your opponent's majors too. So I guess now's a, a good time to kind of transition into our new segment for this show new this thing what we have like three episodes out yeah, like this segment also <laughs> i put air quotes around all of this segment <laughs> um and we're gonna uh talk about some of our personal awards uh i don't know what to call this yet surely there's a pun here i just can't think of it yeah i got nothing this was definitely not the time to try to figure it out yeah. either so uh in <clears> order here uh, we're going to talk about the uh, most valuable pivot. So I have one. Actually, I have two. And I know you have some thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to start? Go for it. So my most valuable pivots are, I actually have one for each team, tied more or less, not numerically, but just from my feeling. One of them is Ninja Please on the Cherry Bombs. Ninja Please is a monster. <laughs> She's a one-woman army. Um, she can stop a fucking Mack truck. Uh and also has that kind of awareness, like you were mentioning before, to know what to do and when, and and have the um, the the just the magic touch. Like I don't know how to describe it. It's like you don't see Ninja for half a second, all of a sudden someone's out out of bounds, like the, the opposing jammer's out of bounds or something. It's just yeah, literally, we see Ninja do things, and I turn to you and I like describe it as though it was like a flash step. Like right. she just teleports, it, it, like literally, like a ninja. It's incredible. I, I don't know if it, like I don't know if the her name came about because of something like that, or if it was just like a goof. But, like, she really is kind of, like, mystical in that way, where she will, if she's jamming, she will just, like, slip through a pack in a way that's, like, how, how the fuck did she do that? She's fucking, like, no-clipping through the fucking stage or something. Um, so, anyway, Ninja Please, definitely a uh, top pivot in my eyes. Um, the second one I think deserves a lot of recognition is Ice Ice Bang Me uh, from the Hellcats. Looking at it numbers-wise, she pivoted 25% of the jams and had some of the lowest scoring jams uh her team when she was pivoting uh prevented a lot of scoring yeah and if you look at her 
in the pack when uh, the Hellcats are doing uh, some of their best work, she is the one kind of um, being that kind of ring general, right? Or the, you know what I mean? The, the, the captaining of the team that you were mentioning before. She is doing that. She is doing the thing where you like have people that are your appendages and controlling the team that way. And I think that she could be the cornerstone of developing that strategy that I was mentioning previously about stopping enemy jammers and just c- being a control team. For sure. Um, so my pick for Pivot was the same as yours, but in the interest of not doing that, I will go ahead and say like... Ninja Boys. Yeah. Right? Okay. yeah, yeah. Obviously. Honestly, both of them. Like both sure. Ice and Ninja both deserve phenomenal recognition. I think another person who deserves recognition while I'm sitting here like thinking about it is Mila Djukovic, who gave a mid-game interview with Horetta Sin in which he talked about how lovely it was to not be the captain of the Cherry Bombs <laughs> after like several years of having done so and how great it is to not have that responsibility. And I assume like a lot of that comes from out of bout stuff like coordinating practices and like your responsibilities outside of the actual bouts themselves but as pivot you can tell how much those like years of captaining experience have earned her the trust of her pack and also like how just good she is at coordinating defense and that's something that like i think that i wouldn't normally notice unless i like really really thought about it which i have just now um because i think of her as a jammer who goes high on turn two Every time. But yeah, super duper good. Um, Definitely deserves um, recognition for her work pivoting in this particular bout. And she pivoted a lot. Probably like... I think the most of Maybe the the most out of any of the bombs, I believe. And I think it's... I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but I think it's exquisitely ironic that like she does not live up to her name at all. She stops bitches. She doesn't (laughs) juke them. Um, She's very good at it, too. And uh, one thing I want to say about Mila is that when I think of like the image of a roller girl right mila is one of my like top three people that i think of as like this is a roller girl i agree and what's so funny about that and not to like interrupt for too long but she gave that interview where she said she moved to austin after watching whip it and was like i want to do that which i never would have guessed that she wasn't just an og roller girl from long before when that movie came out because she's such a just like classic roller derby skater um in my mind so yeah, I, I think that Mila definitely deserves some recognition. Also, if Mila ever gets back on Twitch uh, heavily again, we will definitely be in the chat. Absolutely. I, wa- I want to see that RE2 remake uh, streamed, <laughs> Mila, if you're listening. And RE3 remake when it's out. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, so next award is Most Valuable Blocker. Um, this is a little harder to, uh, to pin down a lot of the time because um, we take notes and we note pivots and jammers mostly because they're easily recognizable with the stripe and the star but blockers is hard because a there are so many of them and b catching a play and noting it uh, on any particular jam can be challenging i think yeah if we had to write down full lineups for every single jam i just wouldn't get to watch the bout at all whereas noting jammers and pivots usually we can do during the setup before the whistles go um I wish that we could track that stuff. And again, I am interested to see if we can get the roster rolls from the bout because they do record them for yeah. like ref purposes. Right. Um, it would be interesting. Yeah. Because then I would just be able to like run analysis on it really quick. I guess we could just go check the VOD, uh, which I want to talk about that later. Yeah, uh, we'll get the, to that. The YouTube VOD is fantastic. Um, so my my pick for most valuable blocker is uh, Ninja Please. Um no surprise there. I mean, 
I mentioned it before, but Ninja has this has this. Uh, I think I called it. What, what did I call it? Uh, magical skater magical density. Skater density. So <laughs> Ninja is relatively small um, for a blocker in the pack, but can stop pretty much anybody that I've seen. Like she doesn't go down. It's really weird. Like she can hold her own in a way that like I see her usually put people out of bounds. You put a much taller skater out of the track easily. It seems like. So I personally caught a number of plays where Ninja single-handedly would just like stop a play from the Hellcats. And I think that that is exactly what you want out of a a blocker like that. Right. And during our like pre-recording discussion, you had mentioned that um, contrast between Ninja and uh, break and bake of the Holy Rollers. And I wanted to comment on that really quick because one of the things that I wrote down while watching it was that I felt like she had started to incorporate that break attitude of just like busting up two walls, like when the jammers were at attrition, when the cherry bomb jammer was stuck at the back of the pack, or like mid pack after she had like dropped back. Um, I had noticed her making that adjustment. I would agree that she is not a break and bake. That is not her default behavior. She's not instantaneous about it. And I don't think that that's her main strategy or necessarily that it should be. Um, but it was something that I noticed that I was very impressed by because again, it, she knows that she's capable of doing this thing Yes. that you would assume was so far out of her wheelhouse, given her like size and style as a jammer and just a skater in general. Um, and I was going to say like, I, picked someone else for pivot um in the interest of not like us doubling up on the same award but yeah there in my mind for that bout especially in the jams where she wasn't the pivot ninja was a monster blocker definitely so next award and we might want to talk about this one because this one is strictly numbers but the highest scoring jammer um yep. so technically by numbers legs of the cherry bombs is the highest scoring jammer i believe she had eight jams uh in the in the bout um definitely a, a very strong jammer for the bombs they're like no doubt about it like i said they're kind of uh pushing the newer skaters to be um some of the more prominent and consistent jammers so legs is definitely up there i did want to give a special mention though to tony montana who was the top scorer for the hellcats by a mile like more than double the second highest jammer yeah for sure um and they skated similar like numbers and scores they were both in the high 30s with like seven or eight jams each um both tony montana and legs so you had this like really beautiful parody of um the the ratios of the top scoring jammers the only difference the way that the bout played out was just that all the cherry bombs had pretty good ratios and several of the hellcat jammers were able to get shut out completely across the length of the bout um but not Tony Montana. And especially in Q3 and 4, she really came alive. And you could tell that she was putting in so much work to just aggressively score points. She had like, right. taken that burden on herself and did a phenomenal job with it. I was blown away. Um, I do want to say Legs was drafted to the Cherry Bombs, presumably to do exactly this thing, and was like heartbreakingly injured immediately yeah. when it was her first bout or second, second bout, bout after being drafted. Yeah. Um, and I was very, very worried for her. And also just like, it, it sucked not kind of seeing what she was capable of this season. If, you know, high 30s is what she's capable of, I am thrilled it, to see that going season. forward. I'm glad that she's back. I'm glad that she's okay. Yeah. Um, that's super exciting. So this dovetails into our, our next award, which again, we might want to talk about reformatting this, but it's most jams. So again, numerically, 
Tony Montana and uh, Legs, I think, were um, were tied, maybe one off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, both of them had the highest chance for each team. Which takes a lot of stamina, takes a lot of like yes. physical conditioning to be able to do. Right. Like it took years before we saw even someone like a like a boss yep. make it through an entire bout without like without being tremendously drained of energy in yes. Q4. Um, okay. And then I think following them was Nuclea on the Cherry Bombs and Acute Trauma, the hired gun on the Hellcat side, which was very interesting also. So I will be very interested to see what Acute Trauma does on various teams throughout the season and also whether the Hellcats keep asking her back. It's interesting that you mentioned that because our next award, or awards, I don't know, is the hired gun highlight. Yeah. So I, I think you have... Uh, quite a lot to say about this. Yeah, so this was um, one of the things that I was most excited to talk about because I think um, it's really easy to overlook hired guns in our normal bout analysis, especially if we don't make a special effort to look for it because they're less familiar to us. Um, Obviously, they're not part of the main roster and they're going to shift around from bout to bout. Um, For me, the standout was easy, and this isn't like a most valuable or best hired gun, but just someone that I want to talk about. The star, they got injured... (laughs) relatively early um in this bout with i believe a sprained or i heard it described as slightly dislocated finger and then came back in q3 whether or not that's a good decision as an athlete i don't know i'm not an athlete so i guess i that's why who this am is I to the say? broadcast <laughs> um but i was super impressed by their like commitment tenacity i thought they showed out pretty well um so they came out, and at the end of the bout, they had, I think, like 14 points over yeah. about five gems, which is great for a hired gun. Um, yeah, I just think that... Well, it's especially great for a hired gun that went down with an injury mid-bout <laughs> Yeah, and still came back. So yeah. Yeah, I could not believe it when I saw them skate back into the room and then go to the commentary booth and just like tell everyone that they were going to be back in the bout. <laughs> it's crazy. And uh, I guess we should also make uh, mention of Scary Fisher, who was a... Uh, hired gun for the cherry bombs and put up uh, again another like very good jam performance um yeah she debuted with a 10 point jam that got a major reskate and then put down another four and this was again one of those situations where i think rolla parks got a major and then gary fisher was able to Get benefit from, yeah, from <laughs> off yeah. of her own team's penalty. which is all, always cool to see so yeah she came in uh 18 points total um yeah which yeah strong performance and our, uh, our our next award is for the uh, sickest penalty. And I wanted to clarify this with you. Do you mean any penalty? Any penalty or like the actual resolution of the penalty. So like either okay. the penalty as it's committed or the reskate or the minor penalty like event. Got it. Okay. So my pick for this was on the sixth jam of the bout, there was a relay race that came about from a minor penalty. And I'm yep. just a sucker for a relay race, but... What I always love to see is a relay race comprised of a team of three skaters that uh, have like good chemistry, right? And so usually the bombs always have some of the best relay races because they put up a combination of like Scrappy Ninja, Mila, and somebody else. So yeah, that relay race was actually incredible. Um, I remember that both of the anchors, um, meaning both of the last skaters, which was uh, Rolla Parks and Tony Montana, fell down, I think, like, before turn one. Rolla recovered super quickly, jumped the apex, and then clutched it out. It was a great relay race. I think that my pick is probably the push cart, 
where Scrappy Djokovic, not a pushcart team that I think that I've ever seen. Yeah, especially with Mila as the cart. It was so cool. <laughs> um, Mila's a good cart, yeah. as it turns out. Ended up like pulling out what seemed like a nearly effortless victory yep. over Tony Montana pushing the star, which... It seems like a no-brainer, but yeah. Uh, and our final award, and definitely the, the favorite, I think, is the... Play of the game. So for my play of the game, I think it, you might share this with me. Um, it, it always is awesome to see somebody uh, clutch it out on a major reskate and, and rack up a shitload of points. Uh, Tony Montana did that this time with 15 points on a skate, which is definitely not the highest we've seen, but it's extremely high. Um, that's the kind of thing that like turns the tide of, of, a, of a bout on in most conditions. I think my favorite, this isn't a play of the game in the same sense that you went with it. And I think like normally I would do something like what you did, but in the fourth quarter, Scrappy jammed her first and only jam yes. in which she scored seven points. In that jam, she was versus Tony Montana on the Hellcat side. Tony Montana also scored three points. And the reason was because Scrappy gave her a, a whip. shirt whip. <laughs> yes. And that is, that was like one of my favorite moments of the gym because I thought it was so fun, showed so much love between two teams that are competing with each other. Um, and I think that's like such a huge part of what this league is all about. Yeah. Is just like not having any vicious toxicity between teams or fans or anything like that. So that was super cool. And then I will give an honorable mention to ref Ted Hochuli, who miraculously leapt out of the way yes. as Brawl Rat came careening at him full speed in the center of the track. And it was like one of the most agile like dodges that I've ever seen in my life. Cool. So uh, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with this bout in particular? I think we pretty well covered it, yeah. there, which is crazy because it was such a phenomenal bout and there's so much to talk about. It, but I, I, I will say that if this is any indicator of the season going forward, this is going to be a great season. Yeah, we left the Palmer Event Center like so pumped. Yeah. So let's let's take a quick look forward, um, at, especially about the, the future of both of these teams. We talked a little bit about um, where we think the team dynamic is going to play out for the Bombs and the Hellcats, but... I want to talk about the climate, I guess, of all of the teams considered. We haven't seen the Putas, the Holy Rollers, or the Rhinestones skate yet, but just from our assessment of their um, lineups, uh, where do you think the Bombs and the Hellcats are going to shake out? I mean, that's hard to say. Like, for me, Bombs could be one or two, like, in the league right now, based on what we've seen, which is almost nothing, because we've yeah. seen a mixed roster about... Which gives you a sense of like how certain skaters are feeling mm -hmm. and performing. But again, like you don't know how like try hard any individual person is going in about like the season opener. Um, the Hellcats, unfortunately, I think that they're maybe set up to struggle pretty hard versus the Holy Rollers and potentially the Putas. I will actually be very interested to see how Hellcats versus Rhinestone Cowgirls goes. Um, obviously, Nikki is a huge problem. Um, for the Hellcats current pack dynamic, um, mostly just in terms of like experience stopping someone like her. Right, yes. But I think that that is a place where they could like make a legitimate upset if they go into it with a really good game plan and have like prepared really well for it. I think that the depth of the jam lineups on a team like the Holy Rollers is going to be a lot harder to deal with. Yep. So I, I think this will be a tough season for them, but I also think that this is a season where the Hellcats will just 
iteratively improve bout after bout yep. after bout. This is kind of the season that I, as a Hellcats fan, have been waiting for. Um, th- technically, the season that I'm waiting for is the one where Glitter and Janet Janet come back. <laughs> but... In in absence of that, and a Hanthrax. I mean, Janet, Janet, Janet was right behind us. <laughs> and her sign was in the room, which was crazy to me. Her like actual official sign right. was out there. And I, in my heart, wanted that like pro wrestling moment where in Q4, Janet, Janet just like is on the track. Yes. Mid-skate too. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, just You can take a there. procedural major. Fuck it's just it. a reskate. What are you going to do? Uh, speaking of Janet, um, we had some... Uh, conversations about uh who actually was on the on the platform uh running the stream so we talked about the youtube stream right that was excellent uh you know historically we used to see streams on facebook and twitch i think Mm -hmm. for a little bit and they were good and i believe this did stream on facebook i think it just was pushed out to youtube okay 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 so uh i'll be honest i never followed the facebook streams i only followed the twitch ones and the twitch ones were good but they were all like static camera the audio was just like from the venue. It was not piped in separately or anything like that. And you didn't get any dynamic shots of anything that was going on. Whereas this one, just glancing at like five minutes of footage, it's excellent. Like dynamic shots. It looks crisp. Um, it sounds great. Yeah, I okay. watched almost the whole video to verify and make sure that we weren't yeah. idiots. Um, Which we are, but that's fine. <laughs> to make sure that we weren't like unacceptably, unacceptably wrong, wrong about yeah. too many things. Um, and yeah, the camera quality, phenomenal. Like the video quality, phenomenal. The actual like direction of the action, the multiple camera angles and stuff like that, great. It sounded like commentary booth, microphone feeds, and Horettas were maybe piped directly in yeah. and mixed into the live audio. All of that production value stuff. If there's a new team or a new person who is like responsible for filming and doing the streaming this season, I absolutely hope that they continue to keep up this system um, because i can easily share this out to people who have never seen it yes and it will be both like accessible to watch and exciting to watch because that's always a problem with like grassroots sports or competition stuff of any kind is that if you don't care about it already the production value and presentation stuff is a really strong way to hook people in right um, where like I'm fine watching a top-down fixed angle track cam sure. of an out-of-state tournament, yes, but that's because we. I'm watching been... roller derby anyways, right. and we'll I want everyone else to start watching. Right. So I guess if you're at home and and you you know missed about or have never seen one and are curious about it, you should go check out the Facebook uh, page for TXRD. Yeah, and, and this reminds me that there. I definitely plan to like tweet out that link yeah. when this goes up, so that. Definitely. Anyone who's listening can watch that bout. Yep. Check it out on YouTube. It's too. great. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess the the next bout is um, the Rhinestone Cowgirls versus the Putas del Fuego on February first. We'll be there as always. So if you're if you're there and you're and you're listening to us, come say hi. We'll be at the VIP front tables near the wheel. And shout outs to the TXRD skaters who did come say hi to us. Yes. Uh, Rocky Casbah, Horetta Sin had a lovely conversation because uh, obviously we sit right next to the penalty wheel. So she's kind of forced to deal with the fact that we're right there right. being nerds. <laughs> um, Bitty Bitty Boom Boom came by. Buffy, just it's great talking to all of y'all. Um, y'all collectively are the reason that we love TXRD because it's not just the sport. Obviously, it's the skaters it's and the, the people. people involved yeah. with the league. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that's it for us. Yeah. So uh, 
Signing out. I'm Aaron. I'm Josh. And we'll see you all later.